Changing healthcare starts with a dream. Better care, smarter care, and healthier people. Listen weekly as Dr. Gregory Goodman interviews today's most innovative MDs as they transform healthcare and share their journey from white coat to business suit, highlighting lessons learned and golden prescriptions for your success. Join us today and get your doctor-recommended dose of MD innovation. This is Dr. Greg Goodman on The Modern MD. I'm really excited today. We've got Henry Chue, who's the chief of the Division of Biomedical Informatics at Massachusetts General Hospital. His research focuses on innovations in specialized electronic health records and the use of informatics to transform the delivery of healthcare. Henry is on the clinical advisory board of PrimeMed's Inlight EHR, a completely new type of EHR that thinks like a doctor. He's the graduate of Harvard College and Harvard Medical School and is a practicing internist. Henry, welcome to The Modern MD. Such an honor to have you on the show. Thank you, Greg. Why don't you tell us a little bit about you and your entrepreneurial journey? Sure. It's been a long journey, and it started like most folks in medicine start. After I graduated from medical school, I did my internship and residency at Mass General Hospital. During that time, I'd been involved with uh, Dr. Arthur Barnett, who folks in the medical informatics community would know as one of the founding fathers, and was really, I got involved and intrigued with how healthcare information technology could transform how care is delivered. And so after I finished my residency at Mass General, which was in internal medicine, in addition to coming on to staff at one of the primary care clinics at Mass General, I also did a fellowship in medical informatics and ultimately became involved and took over the Laboratory of Computer Science, which is the Division of Medical Informatics at Mass General. And there, really got involved in a lot of different clinical assistance projects, primarily around electronic health records. In developing those products at MGH, it really always kind of gnawed at me that, well, you know, shouldn't we find a way to make these kinds of innovations available more broadly? Really, the only way to do that was to bring these things out into the business and commercial world. So even though at MGH, I'd had the opportunity to work with industry partners in terms of licensing some of the things we had done piecemeal, what always really got me excited was to think about, well, how could we take some of these things wholesale and bring them out there and bring these kinds of products that we know the MGH physicians like out into the world for everybody else. What an incredible, you know, career and, you know, your transition and seeing the, uh, the big opportunity where technology can really impact medicine. How exciting. We love to launch the show off with a success quote. Do you have a quote that's important to you or, or something that's meaningful that you'd like to share? Yeah, I actually do. It's something that doesn't have to do with medicine or healthcare technology specifically, but it's one that's always resonated with me. And even though I'm not a hockey player, it actually comes from Wayne Gretzky. I first heard it in the context of an interview with Gretzky, and someone had asked him, well, you know, why are you such a great hockey player? And his answer is this quote, which is, a good hockey player plays where the puck is. A great hockey player plays where the puck is going to be. That's always resonated with me because I've taken it to heart that really, if you want to do something great, you have to look ahead and anticipate what people are going to need in the future, not today. And so with both, you know, my medical career as well as my informatics career and, you know, work with PrimeMed, I'm always looking ahead to find out what are the things that people are going to want and need, but they may not even be aware of it today. I absolutely love that. And for all the entrepreneurs listening, I think that's so important. The marketplace where we are in healthcare today, thinking about five or 10 years out, evolution of where healthcare is going, I think is so exciting. 
Absolutely love the quote. So I want to shift to our white coat to business suit. And I know you touched on you know, how you got involved in the informatics space and some of your roles at MGH. Can you kind of walk us through your your transition and, and how you got involved at PrimeMed and, and some of the work that you did, elaborate on some of the projects at MGH that got you interested and involved in the entrepreneurial community? Yeah, absolutely. It's been a long journey, and a lot of it started with you know local projects within Mass General that Lab and myself um, got involved in. Some of the early work was around trying to understand how to create electronic health records in the new world of the web. Mass General had had one of the first outpatient electronic health records called CoStar, which was on one of these BT100-type terminals, character-based, all that. The data model really intrigued me because I thought it was very, very potent. It was a problem-oriented record, but it didn't interact with clinicians directly. One of the things that I did at MGH was to take that basic concept of problem-based records and develop you know, a very modern, service-oriented architecture, web-based electronic health record. And this was back in the late 1990s, early 2000s. As we did that, what was interesting was that we would also get engaged with different companies who were interested in the work we were doing. As I saw what the companies wanted, we might actually have some partnerships where we would license some particular technology or idea, but we never did take the whole product out. And so what happened eventually was after the product had matured at MGH, where thousands of doctors were using it and we'd had a decade under our belt about understanding how a good electronic health record that was problem-oriented could work, a couple of colleagues and myself, we actually went out and said, you know, let's let's see if we can't form a startup to take this out to the community. And so we did take that track initially, but the complexity of trying to raise capital for small startup, very crowded EHR space was really, really challenging. So then ultimately what happened was we ended up working with PrimeMed at one point through some colleagues who, who knew some folks at PrimeMed, and there was a really interesting synergy between PrimeMed's current activities in education continuing medical education and conferences, and the notion that the electronic health record, if it was structured correctly with problem orientation, could really be a vehicle for both better care in terms of transforming care, bringing education to the mix. And so then from there, it, it snowballed into an approach where, as an initiative, PrimeMed took on the task of bringing this new EHR in light to the market, but it was based on licensed technology from MGH, as well as some purchase technology through Amazing Charts. After that, I joined PrimeMed in con- continuing to be a clinical advisor and helping to move that product along. That's really, really incredible. And it's awesome to kind of see that journey where you can start in one institution. And I think I've seen it before that you can be limited until you kind of go out and actually form some sort of startup where you can really scale the company and scale the concepts outside of the single institution. So it's really exciting. Yeah, and I think that one of the interesting things is from an academic standpoint, Although you can work with industry, it's not until you step outside, say, in the startup, that you really start to realize that there are a lot of opportunities that from a business-to-business perspective, you can develop relationships and understand you know, some of the initiatives that could be born outside of, say, an academic setting. And for those entrepreneurs who are in an academic setting but want to do more, stepping outside, I think, is really, really helpful to see what's available. I think that's incredible advice to those in the, uh, the academic world. I've actually seen that track with a few of the other physician entrepreneurs who have kind of stepped out of academia uh, to join the startup scene to kind of explore and expand and scale concepts. So I think that's incredible advice. So I want to shift to um, our idea to venture. I want to learn more about PrimeMed's InLight EHR. Your tagline is, we think like a doctor. 
I'm really excited to learn about your problem-based approach and, and how you're approaching some of the different marketplaces like the fee-for-service, concierge, direct primary care. Can you tell me about the big vision at PrimeMed's InLight EHR? Yes, absolutely. So the big vision for the InLight EHR is that it's a problem-oriented record that really helps you as a clinician intelligently keep the information you have on patients in a continuous way organized so that you can provide better care in the future. Because it's problem-oriented, you know, a lot, of, a lot of electronic records these days, you know, have a problem list, but the problem list is sort of stands separate from the rest of the record. The traditional EHR electronic record really is a stack of electronic notes. So typically, if you wanted to find, you know, what happened with a patient's hypertension, you'd kind of have to rifle through the notes to figure out who did what where and when. But in the in my EHR that's problem-oriented, since everything is centered around problems, you can easily see all the information, all the notes, all the labs, all the orders that you put in around a particular problem, whether it's diabetes or hypertension, one click, and you can analyze, visualize that timeline of a particular condition that a patient has. So I think that's really unusual because most records are just not built around problem orientation in that same way. I'm really interested just because I, on a day-to-day basis, we're constantly hunting as, as physicians for, you know, if somebody has hypertension and they got admitted to the hospital, you're kind of piecing all the pieces together as far as the drugs, the therapy, all the things that went into it. Can you talk about the smart decision port and some of the, you know, features behind the product? Yeah, sure. Absolutely. When you first go into a, a patient record, and let's say it's a patient who has hypertension, diabetes, and hyperlipidemia, and you go in to do a note, if you initially look at the record, you quickly see that they, the patient has those problems. And if you say, you know what, I want to address the diabetes today at this visit, when you pick diabetes, in addition to giving you the information that would support during the need to make decisions, and that includes labs that were ordered in the context of diabetes or results like your A1C trend that came from orders that you've done previously, you can also see all the previous notes that you put in on diabetes because you actually enter your note in a problem-oriented way. I can quickly review the last revisits, what I said about diabetes. If I want to go further, I can sort of drill in and see the last several years of notes, whether it's my note, a nurse's note, phone call taken by one of the nurses, et cetera. And so that really gives me a quick view of a particular condition over time. And then if I have a new problem, let's say this patient who has these three chronic problems comes in with something like a new UTI, when I put UTI, urinary tract infection, into my note as a problem and I decide I want to go ahead and treat that, the system will remember and says, hey, you know, we know that you've treated UTI in other patients many times before, so here are the four top medications that you use for UTI and the doses that you use and the regimens you use. So instead of having to go through and manually pick the medication, search for it, identify the regimen, the regimens that I use for that condition are already available because it's actually remembered them over time as I've been using the EHR. And so in that way, it supports my decision-making based on my prior decisions. And over time, it'll, it'll do that for all the different problems so that I have you know, more support from the EHR rather than just driving the interface myself. So is that machine learning or is it your practice learning over time? How does this kind of smart decision-making work? Yeah, primarily it's the system learning how you practice over time. So it knows that when you prescribe a medication for diabetes or for UTI in the past for a specific patient, it remembers that it knows it can apply that in the same context for a new patient. 
And the key is that because it's a problem-based record and it's natural to center things around problems, the system knows when you're working with a particular problem and can help tee up the common orders that you use for that problem or the common medications you use, so on and so forth. That's really awesome. That's uh, very exciting. Can you talk a little bit maybe about some of the insights that you're learning from the marketplace? It seems like you have three target markets, the fee-for-service, the concierge model, and the direct primary care. Do you have similar insights from the physicians or do physicians use the platform differently? That's a great question. I think both are true. I think that we do see that there's a commonality in the clinical care process, meaning that problem orientation resonates with all of them. We do see that a lot of folks are coming from a, a non-problem-oriented record or, or process. So initially, there's some recalibration in terms of saying, oh, yeah, this is a different way to think about organizing patients' you know, medical information over time. But we do see that for all three of those market, the core clinical notion of centering a record around problems over time does resonate. We do see, though, also there are differences around what is the, uh, what are very high priority items in the EHR. So clearly for fee-for-service, you know, there has to be a rapid way to get to billings. As an example, how problem orientation leads to that in the fee-for-service market is that if you drive your documentation in a problem-oriented way, by the time you get to the billing, in InLight, the problems already are translated to ICD-9 or ICD-10 codes in such a way that you don't have to recode in any, you know, as a manual process at a second step. On the other hand, for the folks in DPC or concierge practices, they don't care about the billing, but they care a lot about the efficiency that the memorized practice of medicine in terms of the the, the orders or the medications that you might put in on a particular problem are memorized for you in the record. A little bit of both. I think some some things are common and some things are different. So just because we're talking about startups, one of the questions I always ask about failures and, and some of the, you know, the challenges with launching the EHR, what have been some of the challenges kind of taking all your, you know, research from MGH and kind of applying it and getting the opportunity to really build this out, taking a product to market? Yeah, I think the market aspect is distinctly different. I mean, at MGH, we had a particular audience of clinicians, you know, all MGH clinicians, practicing academic medicine. Although they do bill for it, they had a very particular slant on how they wanted their EHR to support them. In the marketplace, I think it's more diverse, right? So MGH physicians are more like than not. Out in the real market, you've got, like you said, some concierge doctors who really are prizing the relationship with their patients, so they want the record to support that. DPC clinicians may not have quite the same volume as fee-for-service, and they don't care about the billing, and so they really want to focus on how they can be efficient and effective and and provide good outcomes. And fee-for-service physicians are, are different in the sense that they really need to make sure that they can bill effectively in order to support the practice. I think one of the challenges for me as a clinical advisor was understanding that those different markets might drive us to think about feature sets in different ways. Whereas at MGH, you know, we, we have the luxury of saying, okay, we've got a fairly common set of clinicians and we can think about them in one way. Now, I would say that at MGH, what we did do also is make on-call available to different specialties. And that did make us think differently in certain arenas. So, for example, the transplant physicians at MGH have a much different workflow than the internal medicine physicians. So, in that sense, that did simulate some of the differences in markets for us. But even then, I think when you go out in the real world with people buying your products in markets, it really 
makes you open your eyes and say, you know, here we really have to make sure that that market understands how that product can be of tremendous value to them. Really awesome. I love it. I think you're thinking, you know, really where the future of, of EHR is going, a very, very exciting work at Inlight. So I want to shift to our, not our typical hospital rounds. These are business rounds. Henry, what's the best advice that you've ever received? The best advice I think I've ever received has to do with an excellent colleague I had who once told me that in life, there are two kinds of balls, the kinds that bounce and the kinds that shatter if you drop them, and that you never, ever, ever want to lose your attention on the ones that will drop and shatter. He was reflecting on not just the kinds of things that might happen in your professional life, but also at home. So, you know, your family is so critical to your success and that your family is the glass ball, right? So if you ignore that and, and things happen there, it'll shatter. You won't really have an opportunity to get back to it. That advice has served me well because knowing the things that you can you have time to manage versus those things that are just you, you must never allow to drop, I think is something that has been a really good piece of advice for me. I really like that two ball analogy. That's that's awesome. One of my favorite questions is the daily success habit, you know, getting to study so many credible physician entrepreneurs like yourself. Henry, do you have a daily success habit or, or a morning routine that you think might have attributed to some of your success? Well, I don't know that it's, you know, definitely what's attributed to it, but it is a habit. What I do is I set aside some quiet time to tackle what I consider challenging problems. And I look at things from first principles, trying to free myself of the assumptions and constraints of everyday work life. I mean, everybody knows that, you know, once you, once you get to work, there are going to be a lot of a lot of things looking for your attention. There are a lot of constraints on what you can do and how you can achieve certain things. I like having that quiet time in the morning to kind of go through a kind of what if, what if I could solve this problem without any of the constraints of the real world? And that helps me visualize solutions and maybe some approaches that I wouldn't have otherwise come up with in the hectic uh, everyday work life when, when you're actually at work. Um, and I find that really, really useful. That's really great. So I want to shift to our last question, which is healthcare trends. I, I know you, you, you know, probably have a lot of exciting things that you're following. What are some things that you're really excited about in healthcare, and, and where do you think the future of healthcare is going? That's a really great question. I mean, it, there's so many different things that are, are are going on, and it's so exciting. It's one of the more dynamic areas in business, I think, and you see a lot of companies, you know, jumping in. I guess I'd say there are three things that I really am, am tracking a lot. One is, you know, which is, is grouped into this notion of direct primary care. I'm, I'm really excited about the notion that primary care can be delivered in this direct fashion, you know, to patients and consumers and not necessarily through the traditional third-party insurer model. I think it's going to play out over the next five to 10 years and become a really significant way for delivering primary care. The second thing is I, I do think that the consumer is really starting to become empowered in healthcare. It may not be the case yet economically, but I think they're actually really paying attention to what they can do in terms of healthcare prevention and treatment, things that they can do on their own. So for example, I think the whole notion of thinking through what food we eat and that may actually prevent certain diseases or even treat certain diseases to some degree, you know, not at the expense of traditional you know, medicines, but really, I think people are starting to recognize that things that they do without their doctor can have a big impact on healthcare. And I think we need to find a way to, to harness that and really help you know, people take that on. And then the third thing is more of a technology thing. I think this whole uh, 
effort to create more interoperability and openness in the healthcare technology space is fantastic. FHIR, the FHIR, the fast healthcare interoperability effort, really, uh, I think, is helping to spark that. The notion that there might come a day where anybody can build a component or widget that can be plugged in to a broader platform without having to be part of the same company is really exciting to me. And I, I think that's, uh, that's going to come to fruition over the next decade or two. I couldn't agree more with your healthcare trends. I'm a big supporter of the uh, direct primary care movement, the technology piece. Uh, patients, as well as so-called consumers, will really be incredibly empowered to take care of their health and, and really drive a lot of that health. Dr. Henry Chue, it was an absolute honor and privilege to have you on the Modern MD. I'm really excited about your work at Inlight. I wish you guys so much success. Thanks so much for joining us. Greg, it was a pleasure. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining me today on The Modern MD. Head to themodernmd.com to get links and recaps of every show and so much more. Dose up and like The Modern MD Facebook page.